the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Isn't this exciting? Let's see. It's 6.03. We are live and local at the desk that I live at. Um, and this is the Idala Power Hour. It's a very special night because, you know, I was hedging all week. I hope the mayor comes. You never know what's going to happen. And here he is sitting across from my desk at uh, 45th Street and 5th Avenue, the mayor of the city of New York, the 110th mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams. Eric, I'm assuming you, you didn't have any problems getting out of the street here because I know there was a little commotion out there, but Eric, they took care of you? Listen, uh, you know what? What people don't understand, that's the spirit of New York. I love it. You know that? I love the excitement. I love the energy. You know, as I walk the streets, you know, if you don't want all of this, why are you in New York? And, and why are you the mayor? Right, you know, Because exactly. sometimes... Um, I know you have uh, some rougher days, and, mm. and your response is always like, I'm having fun, I'm enjoying myself. That's right, right. So the reason why I'm so happy that you're on is you know how the media skews things better than anyone now because the last time you were on the show, I said, what's been the biggest disappointment since mm. you've been the mayor? And mm. you said that um, the, the way the media covers things inaccurately. So you realize we're one block away from the Roosevelt Hotel. Right. Mm -hmm. Lots of people um, say that, you know, that this is the biggest problem affecting the city and maybe this nation. What says Eric Adams? No, and, and, and they're right. I agree 100 uh, percent. But we still have to function in spite of it. And we are. We rolled out a, an ambitious housing plan uh, today. Uh, we roll out how we're going to clean the city by containerizing our garbage. Uh, we're rolling out public safety. We're going to make some announcements on public safety because while I'm dealing with this huge crisis, the trains still have to run on time. We still have to educate our children. We still have to house New Yorkers. But I don't want to underestimate how tragic this is for our city. And so people get bent out of shape when I say this could destroy our city. We need to be honest. And does that destruction mean instant? No. It means if I'm not investing in foster care children, how does that impact them long term? If I'm not investing in school programs, how does that impact them long term? We got to think long term what could happen if we spend $5 billion this year. It has to come from somewhere. Arthur. I see. You know, I walk. So if I walk from here to Grand Central to get the Ford train and head down to court, and there's like a lot of little kids, like a lot. Right, right. And, you know, when you talk about education, uh, that obviously comes to mind because these kids are just sitting there bored out of their mind. But, Eric, I would, excuse me, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Eric is good. Um, 
I did the legal research on this, mm-hmm. and you know, according to the New York State Constitution, this is not an Eric Adams five boroughs problem. Mm-hmm. According to the state constitution, it's the state of New York that is obligated to provide for the needy. That's the word, right? right. It's not migrant. It's not it's just to provide for the needy, the whole state. So how come, you know, where, where where's the state? I mean, I know we talked about the feds a lot, right. but where's the state in helping us out? Uh, we, I agree 100% that... It's uh, the law. I, I, I think there's a philosophical uh, uh, disagreement on the role the state has and what the city has. Many people point, point to the lawsuit of right to shelter years ago. Correct. Because um, it was placed in New York Against City. Against you carry. It was the, the exactly. you carry lawsuit exactly. that, that then Ed the Koch... Right, right, the governor and, the, right. and then Ed Koch signed it into... Uh, so in my conversations with the governor, I'm very clear that I believe the state has an obligation here. And she has been helpful. I don't want to be uh, uh, giving the appearance that she hasn't been. She, um, she included a billion dollars in her budget uh, last year. She's been helpful with other funding. She paid for the site. But what about this garbage that other counties won't take any of them? That's, and that's doesn't, she, doesn't she have the power to say, excuse me, uh, I think it's Article 1, Section 17, says that, that we're all responsible for this. Not just Eric Adams, right. but Nassau County, Suffolk County, Rockland County, Westchester County. Can't she step in as the as the governor and say, you can't ban the migrants from coming in? And that's what we hope, and that's what we ask her to do. We ask the governor, who has been a partner on so many things. I want to be clear on that. I with the subway safety plan, uh, with um, during COVID, on this issue... We believe that we should have a decompression strategy, not only throughout the entire country, but the entire city. We're the economic engine of this state. We have 0.05 landmass, and we have over 99% of the migrants and asylum seekers. The whole state should be coming to our rescue. It should be, in my opinion, according to the law, it should be done in some sort of a proportional basis. Like if Suffolk County is this huge county, they should have whatever it is, 18% of the migrants, and they could use it. I mean, my landscaper out in Suffolk County, they can't find people to help. And that's what's very interesting about, about this author, that while the migrants and asylum seekers are saying, we just want to work, we have a countless number of jobs that are available. We have uh, everything. We, we, we had a, a lifeguard shortage this summer. You know how many guys qualified to pass that exam that exam that can be doing it? We we have our restaurant industry, our backstretch workers. You have professionals that came from Venezuela and other locations that would have been willing to employ nurses where we have a shortage. And so we're not taking jobs away from Americans. These jobs are already uh, available right now. And to be honest, Americans don't want those jobs. But we can talk about that because they're just they're they're there for the taking and they're not being taken. Um I'm gonna I got to tell you something that may make you smile. Of, I spoke to to Mayor Giuliani today, mm-hmm. and he was very sympathetic to the fact that the President of the United States was here for so many days, and uh, that number one, he didn't even address the migrant situation when he was four blocks away, and number two, that he didn't throw you the bouquet that you deserve for the UN uh, Assembly running so orderly. And really, your NYPD, because they are your NYPD, doing such a good job. And he actually asked me to tell you that, you know, he didn't he didn't think you were treated with the respect you deserved. And he indicated that maybe, though, your tough words, because that's what it was indicated in the newspaper yesterday against the White House or complaining that they're not helping, made that policy that came into effect last night happen. You think you were your your words of 
you know, well, pushing I'm, them I'm, a little I'm, bit made it happen? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not even concerned how it happened. You know, if, if, I'm if, with the, you. if, if the governor is saying it happened because she's, you know, gave as long as it happened, some right? kick, you know, kick glove, I can care less about how it happened. I need it to happen. But I want to be very clear. That policy only deals with 9,500 asylum seekers. We have 60,000 in our care. We're getting 10,000 Why is that? A Why month. is it such a small number? Because it's for those Venezuelans that were here prior to January 31st. January 30th. I mean, June, July 31st, 2023. Okay. Those so the beginning here. of the year. Right. So remember, we're not only getting uh, Venezuelans. We're getting Haitians, we're getting uh, Russian-speaking, we're getting West Coast of Africa, we're getting um, Ecuadorian. So all of them don't fit into this TPS agreement. So that's what we need to be very clear. So we can't start spiking the ball saying that, hey, game over. No, the game has just begun. This is the first inning of the game, and we're hoping to continue to work with the White House. Um, Our congressional delegation really got to take our hat off to them because they have been really pushing this to make sure that we start giving this. Now, I'm happy I got 9,500. I can finally get working. But we need to get the entire 60,000, and we got to resolve this issue at the border. So as a citizen, and I'm looking at you, and I'm sympathetic to the plight of a mayor. I mean, they used to say it's the harder job than being president (laughs) of the United States to some degree, and I can understand that. I'm not looking to start a fight with you no, or any no, of your friends, no. but we have Hakeem Jeffries, who I know you know well. Mm-hmm. We have Chuck Schumer. I mean, this is just by chance, right? Mm-hmm. Two of the most powerful guys in the country are New York. They're Brooklyn guys. <laughs> uh, they're right? They're bro- right? Both of them are Brooklyn guys. Right. So, you know, Coca, okay, maybe she's from Buffalo. She doesn't feel our pain. But Schumer, who's got a big checkbook, Hakeem, who's got a huge you know, a, a, a megaphone, where are they? Why is there? Well, I feel like you're out there alone. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I'm not. Uh, Congressman Jeffries came and met with me uh, about a, a week or so ago. We sat down and spoke, and this was one of the issues that we needed him on. And he really pushed hard with that whole congressional delegation. The two of them got 850 million dollars in the budget that FEMA took, and instead of giving us the lion's share, which we thought we were going to get. Uh, they gave the bordering states and only gave us $30 million on the fir- first round and gave us a little over $100 million on the second round. But think about it. We're talking about over $100 million on a $5 billion budget. Yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, right. uh, you were right. just talking to me about $12 billion. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of money. And, you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox, but we're giving <laughs> a lot of money to Ukraine and here and there. And, I mean, you know, I, I, New York is New York. I mean, I know I am not objective, but this is New but York, and they got to take care of New York. Yeah, you don't have to be objective. Listen, no one would argue that New York is the economic engine of the, of the state and the country. You know, our the financial stability of this country and state depends on how well New York City is doing. Correct. You know, we send more money to Washington than we get in return, and we need, for for years, uh, we need to make sure that we give New York the city the support they deserve. And this is wrong for all cities. El Paso, I want to see El Paso. Well, I was just going to ask, that's the next question on my list. Tell us a little about your visit to El Paso. People were sleeping in the airports, on the streets, around churches, um, children, Now, when you say people, are these migrants? Migrants and asylum seekers. Migrants and asylum seekers just coming across the border. We went to the border. 
and we saw people coming across the border and entering El Paso. So this is wrong for El Paso to have to go through this, for Houston, for Chicago, Washington, Los Angeles. This is wrong for all of these cities. So I'm not saying displace this problem to another city. No, no municipality should be trying to solve a national crisis. So let's move away from the migrants yes. for a second. I mean, I know, and I know because... I know a lot of people who work in your administration, and I hear their frustration about how the migrant real issue here has it, – it's a distraction. It's a, it would no, be – it, it would be – right, it would be disingenuous to say it's not. I mean, it's this huge problem that fell, you know, fell into your life. It's like you're going to run the marathon, all of a sudden you got a sprained ankle. <laughs> right, It's exactly, like, okay, we, exactly. we got to – I would like to say a broken leg. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, yeah. what's interesting, and we need to be clear, people are trying to equate – our demand for this issue to be resolved is, hey, y'all anti-immigrant in the city. That is a lie. This is a city made up of immigrants. I don't care if it's from the continent of Africa, from Italy, from Ireland, uh, from Germany. This is who we are. But the reason we were able to absorb over a million um, during the days of yesteryears coming through Ellis Island is because people had the right to work. How do you? But it was a little bit more than that, wasn't it, Mr. Mayor? Most of the people, at least from, that I know, from my family hierarchy, or um, they came here. They knew someone. Mm-hmm. They knew so. They even at least they knew where the town was. Right. That you know, okay, people from this particular part of Sicily are going to be on Mulberry Street, and people from this part of Naples. These people are coming over here, and they, you know, they got. There's nothing going on. I mean, they're literally sitting in the Roosevelt Hotel just staring at each other. And that's the process it should have been what we were told was going to be put in place is they would have a sponsor. From the border, you have a sponsor in which city? Instead of directing people to New York, and that's what the Custom Border Patrol has been doing, that's what's wrong. You want people to go a place where they could have a foundation, where they could get the support that they need, not just bus some people to a city. Governor Abbott started, he primed the pump, and now the flow has become overwhelming to the city of New York. So I want to talk to you about crime, but Mayor Adams, do you see any correlation between the migrants and crime, the way people are saying, like the migrants are committing all the crime here? Or? No, we're not seeing that. And, and trust me, I, I had uh, the team do an analysis to make sure that we are not dealing with spiking crime because of the, the migrant situation, and it's, that doesn't exist. So I will tell you, I don't feel uncomfortable walking past the Roosevelt Hotel. Mm-hmm. I do feel comfortable after a certain time walking past Port Authority. Right. And those are not migrants. <laughs> right. Those, right. Those, you know, those are the people right. who, when you were on patrol, right. you, you, who you'd be moving around. Right. So crime, 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 crime. Now, mm-hmm. I know you don't have time to listen to this show, but I have a lot of your people on. Mm-hmm. You know, Chief Kemper, by the way, for those of you who listen, after Mayor Adams leaves this seat, Chief Kemper, the chief of transit, who's on every Thursday, mm-hmm. giving us the transit report, is going to come on. And you know he's the doing rep- a, he's doing an amazing job. Well, you know the reports that came out mm-hmm. this this week about uh, crime in the subway mm-hmm. is is down right. and arrests are up. And, right. and, and and so let's hear it from Mayor Adams about the status of the state of the union of crime in the city of New York. Well, well, first of all, I I, I fully understand. It, there's a while before you go from what you felt to what you're feeling. It's just natural. You know, You if you were in an atmosphere where it was constant crime all the time, even when you make that change, there's a while before you say, wait a minute, you know, I've been riding the subways and I don't see any encampments anymore. No one's harassing me. I don't see, you know, as many people with mental health illness that need support. 
we know that we don't have the motorcycles going up and down our blocks like we saw before throughout the Manhattan. We know we're drowning. Wait, 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 what's up with that? Because we're basically the same age. Mm. I, when you were on patrol, I don't remember that. There's all these kids now. They're all right. riding around with these these little mini bikes without right. license plates on, without without helmets on. Right. I'm, even you know, I live in Bay Ridge, mm. and they're running around. They're going in through the playgrounds. Yes. The six, eight precincts. And we're zeroing in where on this, that. Where did this come from? We're zeroing in on the scooters, uh, the mopeds, because it's a real quality of life issue. You saw a woman was killed, yes. you know, the other and day. And people are relating that to the migrants. They're saying the migrants are the one riding the scooters. Is there any truth to that, or is that just nah, the no, 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 it's not. And you know what's interesting? I, I, I was on the Upper West Side, and people were talking about the illegal scooters. I mean, they were talking about the scooters and delivery people. I said, listen, guys, let's be honest. Y'all deliver food. Y'all get food delivered to your home more than probably any other community. That's probably true. <laughs> right, yes. right, right. <laughs> so, well, so um, in terms of, though, uh, the safety, and we're going to hear from the chief of transit, but mm. I ride the subway all the time. Yes. Mr. Mayor. And I don't want to jinx myself, but, mm. yeah, is, is there sometimes a homeless guy sleeping on the thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will be honest with you. I, yesterday, I actually moved to go ne- next to him. Right. These are people, too. Now, right. maybe people say I'm too mushy or whatever, but, he, you know, and got, to be honest, he, he didn't smell or anything, right. and he, just, he was just sleeping there, and I mm-hmm. held onto the pole next to him, and I just stood next to him to show that he's a human being. Um, but I see people on the subway. Mm-hmm. I leave here at night, and I generally feel safe, but I'm going to tell you when I didn't feel safe. The sports announcer, I think Bruce Beck is his name, for mm-hmm. NBC, 9.30 at night. He's going back up to do the 11 o'clock news, and two kids grabbed him from behind, pulled his back pocket out where his wallet was, and they ran off. Mm-hmm. Cops did a great job. But as a police officer, I mean, there's only so many cops, and right, a right. million people. You know, how, do we, how do we back that out? To- well, well, think about this. This is something I remember you used to say. During uh, Mayor Giuliani's last year, I'll say he's safer than his last I, year. I, no and, one believes and, me when I say right. I have to read the statistics. Exactly. You know, the, the thing is uh, that there was not an atmosphere of feeling as though there was disorder. And we must make sure our city is clean. And that's what we're doing. We're going to, we're going to be the clean, cleanest big city in America. How are we doing that? We, I know you're changing the, the laws with the... With the garbage bags. All these garbage bags. They, to they containers? All, placing containers. They create rodents. They also create the atmosphere of unsightliness. So these big apartment buildings that we see up and down, are you saying that those that now instead of seeing all those bags piled up, we're going to see, see a bunch them in of the, Right, around our schools, around our restaurants, around our businesses. We also got to make sure we have a visible, what we, what we call omnipresence of our police officers. People want to see their cops. They want to see I them. I tell them that, Mr. Mayor. Yes. When I see them, on the, I tell them. I go right, I yeah. go, you know how much better everyone feels that you're standing Without right a doubt. Now? And Without this cop's doubt. like 24 years old. And right. I'm like a broken down old man, but he and, makes them smile. And they're doing an amazing job. That's why I paid them the salary they deserve. 97% ratification of their contract of, you know, Pat Lynch and his team. We did a fair contract. Because we can't lose our law enforcement officers. That's that's the foundation of our city. Listen, it's a job that you literally could get killed at any right. time. And right. um, I'm telling you now, I'm inviting you November 30th because I've gotten a lot of awards. But I'm really proud of this one. Mm. Obviously, you know who Rafael Ramos was, yes, Detective yes, Ramos, yes, Detective yes. Mm-hmm. And my law firm, Pro Bono, set up both of their foundations. Wow, wow. And this year, on November 30th, at Roosters on the Bay, they're honoring the police commissioner, they're offering Chief Madry, 
and we're offering the handsome bald white guy over here. Love it, love it, love and it, love I, it. I'm really proud that was of that. that was and that was really kind of you. And many people don't know some of the stuff you do. You know, uh, I remember a case that we worked on together with the young lady. Bridget Harris. Right. I'm, that, still, I'm still very much in touch with her. You know, her, her I, dad I, I told, was abusing I, her. I, I told someone last night, in the whole city of New York, that, that case was in every newspaper, was on every news channel because it was a salacious case. Mm -hmm. Only one person called and said, I saw you doing this case for free. Is there anything I could do to help That's you? That's right. And it was a guy who I thought was calling me for some <laughs> fundraiser or something. Like, why is this senator calling me? And it was you and you, and you were calling to help. Um, oh, anyway, I'm really proud because those police officers, you know, I sat in this seat on mm -hmm. election night, Trump-Biden election night. And there's everything I'm looking at right here, Mr. Mayor. It was all boarded up like a third world country. That's right. And when I went outside, I literally shed a tear. I mm. was like, this is, I left at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Mm. I'm like, this is my country. Right. There was a police officer on every corner. God right. bless them. Mm. But it was really rough. And um, we're a long way from that. We're a long way. Well, right now we are. Let's see what national politics has to do. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, this radio show is focused on New York City. Right. All along the dial, it's national and the mm. president and then... I, I love this city. Right. And I, the, that's the purpose of this radio show. And I appreciate when every of commissioners come on and anyone from the NYPD comes on so we can hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I've gotten six text messages since we've been on right now. <laughs> and my father's sitting across from me. You know what people want to know? What's that? Are you going to march in the Columbus Day Parade? I do every year. I know. What, what is that? I need you to say yeah, it. I do every year. You know, uh, and, you know people, you could, you could get in, caught up in uh, the politics of Columbus but how about the feeling of the Italian people? I'm marching because the Italian people believe that day is important. And no matter who we are, uh, their days or their people who we look at and say, I may not like or dislike, but how do the people feel about that? So the city council, and I know you don't control the city council, they're talking about bills where they're going to take down statues of George Washington. Are you allowed to comment on, on something no, like that? Listen, listen, history should be viewed in its totality. Let's not run away from it. Let's talk about the good, the bad, uh, the unsure, and we should engage in this real conversation. I think instead of being in a constant state of canceling people, we should be in a, in a place of counseling and communicating with people. Our country is so divided. Either you agree with me 100% and I have to prove you wrong all the time, or you don't want to engage in the conversation. That's why I'm protest all the time. <laughs> why, why is it so divided? How did it become? Because I don't think when, when Ronald Reagan was the president and Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House, my understanding is they would get together on a somewhat regular right, basis right, and break right, bread. Right. What happened over the last That's 40 a great years question. That, I, that divided yeah. this nation? Is it, is it this thing? Is it the social media thing? Is it Fox News versus CNN? What does Eric Adams say? Yeah, I, I think that you know, when we were kids growing up, if there was someone with a bad opinion, it stayed on the block. Now it stays in millions of views. You know, it gets, we amplify it. We use uh, social media to really push things that sell. And you know, if it leads, if it bleeds, it leads. That's also in what we do. And so I think when you look at how this hate is being really used to create these tribes instead of realizing there's only one tribe and that's usa it's our country 
We cannot be divided as a country because outside influences will come in and exploit that. Don't think because we're years away from what happened to us on September 11, 2001, that sleeper cells are still not out there. We know waiting. they are. Right. And we need to understand as a country, we could disagree without being disagreeable and without being violent in the acts of being disagreeable. And that's what troubled me about Staten Island, what happened the other day. You could disagree, you could protest, you could sue. But you can't bang on the bus where children and families are and use hatred terminologies to describe the people who were there. That's not who we are as a city, and that's not who we want to be shown as. No, it's like that one bad apple in the... Yes. Right? And and when you were walking here today, there was one bad apple. Right. right. There was people protesting out there, which is fine, and then there was one bad apple who was saying horrible things, and... I asked you if I could go punch him in the face, and you told me I couldn't, so I backed off. But, Eric, um, we got to, uh, you know, I hope I'm not getting in trouble for calling you Eric. But um, <laughs> You feel free. I, I, know, I call I you Arthur all the time. I know, I know you do. Um, just give, uh, I got two more topics I want to talk yeah, with you yeah. real quick. I know you've been big on the scaffolding mm. and, and around the city of New York and these outdoor eating facilities, and, it's you know, it all ties into the rats. Mm. You know, you know my uh, uh, frequent contributor to this show, Mr. Bitter, he says, you want to know what the city of New York is all about? There's three There's three bar barometers. The murder rate, because you all murders are reported, right? Yes. Not all yep. rapes or robbery. Yep. All murders are reported. Number one, graffiti. Yes. Because it's something we can see. And rats. Yes. That, that, those are three barometers. To <laughs> That's know, my guy. To know how the city is doing. So we know we're, we're headed in the right direction with the murder rate. Right. I don't see a, a, a ton of graffiti around, but I do see some rats around. Yes. And to say it's not tied into these outdoor eateries is just naive because that's we, I see them running in and out all the time. That's why we're changing that whole thing. Listen, we can't dismiss the fact that those outdoor dining uh, really saved our restaurant industry, probably 100,000 workers. Now we have to adjust to the real ways should be done, and that's what we're doing. Deputy Mayor Maria Torres Springer, she should come in and explain to you what we're I doing. Really it. exciting. And you're right, it's connected to the, to the rodents, and you're going to see uh, the continued success we, we have. In our rat mitigation zones, we see a 40% decrease in rat complaints. Throughout the city, we're seeing a 20% decrease after I put in place our rat czar. And uh, Commissioner Tish is doing an amazing job. She's so, been on the show. Yes, she was great. so you're seeing the success. Listen, I'm clear. We're turning around an ocean liner. And I know New Yorkers, you know, someone said to me the other day, listen, uh, you know, we see the progress. And I remember someone coming to me saying, listen, you're doing a terrible job. It's still crime. It's still dirty. This was on January 3rd of 2022. <laughs> you like, know? It's a, like it's a light switch. All right, I got two minutes left. Yes. Tell the listeners, what's the day in the life of, of Eric Adams like, you know, being mm. the mayor of the city? You what know, time are you getting up? I know you I do like your that. exercise, I like that. your green juice. And all <laughs> well, you know, first of all, people often look at, the role and they say listen you're taking a lot of criticism you're taking a lot of heat uh that is not what i get what you see on television and the criticism and the yelling that's not everyday new yorkers when i'm on the subway system i'm seeing people saying do your thing eric when i'm walking the streets when i'm sitting inside a restaurant do your thing eric i love being the mayor of the city of new york there's, I don't have any bad days. There are 1.1 billion people on the planet. There's not one person that wouldn't change places with me. Don't let them kill you. I'm happy that maybe it's the city I served, the city I protected. Now I'm able to govern and fight for everyday working class people. So when are you working? 
What time you wake up? I get I, I get up around about four thirty five. Uh, meditate, pray, you know, give honor to my mom who I lost, and then I exercise, green smoothie, read the papers. Are you doing all that in Gracie Mansion? Uh, Gracie Mansion, you well, know. Where are you sleeping? Wherever I'm saying, I you're sleep, not going yeah. to a gym or anything. No, no, you're no, just no. Uh, listen. And then what time is your first meeting or first gathering with the crew? Uh, I have a fix, fix, uh, uh, seven a.m. and a fix eight a.m. And so I'm already, I meet with the team at 8 a.m. to find out what's going on, but I also have a fix at 7 a.m. I have a 745 uh, ministers from around the city do a prayer for us every morning at 745. They do a prayer to uplift the city. And then the day is nonstop. Probably every half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm doing something else to set up the sundown. Sounds cocky for me to say, but to some degree, I'm in the same boat. I'm not yes. gonna have a 4:30, but I have a one-year-old, a six-year-old. But there has to be a time when I actually do the work, where I right. actually read the motion or write the right, motion. Right. When does Eric Adams find time to actually like, I like dig that. in, dig I like in, that. and say like, oh, I got to study this yes. so I can say this is what I want to do? I I maximize all my time. You know, if I'm in the car, I'll block out time to do some reading. I, I've come to a, 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 a to master this. You know, it's interesting. You know. Uh, God doesn't take something away from you without giving something else. You know, being dyslexic, I think it has given me the skill. I could process a large volume of information and retain it. And I create systems where it is coming in as a funnel on how I can control it. And I'm able to just really retain a lot of information, being able to understand it. And I use the opportune time. I'm always studying, always reading. Like I'm an auto book uh, guy. So I'm always listening to some books, some motivation. And think of, speaking of a book, great book you got to read if you haven't. David Goggins, um, Can't Hurt Me. Great book. Great Can't book. Hurt Me. Yeah, right. yeah. You got to read it. And let's go clothes shopping yeah. together as soon as you can. I'll, <laughs> I'll go toe-to-toe with you there, Mr. Listen, Mayor. no, no, no. You got toe-to-toe. You already beat me. No, you, no, no. You you're, the, you're the best dressed mayor in the history of the city. Thank you so much for right, brother. Time, Eric Adams. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Joe Sibilia filling in because I want to walk the mayor out. Thank you. <laughs> Mike Gallagher here. Time is running out to join us in Israel this fall. Dennis Prager and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. We'll visit amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk the same streets that Jesus walked in Jerusalem, tracing back the steps of Jesus and the disciples. We'll float in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects. We'll visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you'll always remember fondly. No other trip will be like this one. Sign up today to travel with Dennis Prager and yours truly, Mike Gallagher, to Israel. Call 855-565-5519. That's 855-565-5519. Or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. 
I've partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address, and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit. And also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. We all know that planning for the future is important. If you're not around, who will make decisions for you? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Wills, trusts, power of attorneys, health care proxies, living wills, estate plan. How do you figure this out? Attend the Connors & Sullivan free seminar and have all of your questions answered by Mike Connors himself. Monday, October 16th at the Greenhouse Cafe on 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Tuesday, October 17th at Buckley's Restaurant Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Wednesday, October 18th at the Adrian Hotel, Northern Boulevard and Bayside, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thursday, October 19th at Conley's Corner, Grand Avenue and Maspeth, Queens at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. And Friday, October the 20th at the Lucas Trattoria, 616 Forest Avenue, Staten Island, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. You can't make any of these multiple dates. Just call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. And as Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM970 The Answer on Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, or Odyssey.com. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate? If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10 a.m., our very own Dottie Herman, Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters of real estate doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet. You need to listen to Ion Real Estate. Dottie and her terrific team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there's no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. She's a legend. She's the best, period. Tune in to Ion Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 a.m. here on AM 970, The Answer. That's I on Real Estate. Don't miss it. Saturdays at 10 a.m. here on AM 970. The answer. Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. 
My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. Have you been injured in a construction site accident? Have you fallen from a scaffold, ladder, or height while on the work site? If the answer is yes, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. In most cases, the law in New York favors you as the plaintiff if injured in a fall while working on someone else's property. It is important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Cammons at 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Cammons, fighting for justice, fighting for you. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time now. Well, Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students. This first cohort began with 20 students and 18 successfully completed the program. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's an incredible experience. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, email info at plazacollege.edu. Info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn's signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds, like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Bay Ridge Honda is kicking off the fall season by saving you $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. They have been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Your Honda dealer serving the five boroughs. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award-winning dealership. And right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, you're going to receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy from Bayridge Honda, they will buy your 
car from you. So visit Bay Ridge Honda at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 9-30-2023. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I looked out the window, seeing this bull head, ran through the fridge and pulled out an egg. Smoking on my skunk, he had no hair. Lost that shot, he was caught out there. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. And no, this is not Arthur Idala at the present moment. This is Joe Sibilia. Arthur Idala has uh, stepped out with Mayor Eric Adams after a stellar interview, and now I am taking the seat that Arthur usually occupies in his gorgeous office. And I have to say, I almost don't feel worthy sitting in here. First of all, this apartment is probably three times the size of my apartment, first of all, and that's including the bathroom and the closet space. And on top of that, this desk is probably the most ornate, beautiful desk I've ever sat behind. I almost almost feel like I could be Johnny Carson behind this desk. But I most mostly I don't feel quite worthy tonight because I'm sitting across from somebody who is so decorated, and I can say that honestly because I'm looking at his uniform. It's impeccable. It's immaculate. It's it got the beautiful badge and the stars on the shoulders and the and the buttons. It, 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 it's it's marvelous. And uh, that person donned in the regal uniform is NYPD Chief of Transit Michael Kemper, and he is here for his uh, Transit Thursday segment. So. Chief Kemper, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Joe, I'm doing great, and thanks for that kind introduction. Keep going, keep going. I'll, uh, I'll pay you more for the kind words. No, oh, please. Absolutely not necessary. Uh, I, I would do it for free. But I have to say congratulations are in order tonight, Chief Kemper, because I was reading uh, in the New York Post that uh, there has been a drop in subway crime this year. Now, to what do you attribute the 5% drop in crime? Yeah, so listen, you know, we got a positive article in the New York Post and, uh, you know, just detailing the uh, the gains and the downward uh, uh, turn, if you will, in crime in the subway system. Overall crime is down about 4.5% this year versus last year, which translates to 72 less uh, crime victims this year versus last year. And, you know, when looking at an even bigger picture, looking at pre-pandemic years, looking at 2019 crime this year, uh, January through present, the first eight and a half months of this year versus 19, uh, there's a 8.1% reduction uh, this year. And, and even if you want to go to 2018, uh, it's, it's even greater, 8.9% reduction. You know, listen, this mayor, Mayor Adams, this administration, uh, they've been vocal since day one. Literally day one, that public safety was going to be their priority, and uh, make no mistake about it, uh, uh, ain't nothing uh, you know more true than that. Tremendous investments have been made toward public safety, particular, uh, particularly in the subway system, and uh, you know hundreds and hundreds, and uh, depending on a day to week, sometimes over a thousand of additional cops infused, if you will, into the subway system. You know, visible presence, uh, you know, assigned to trains, platforms. Um, you know, uh, turnstile areas, mezzanines, and a lot of really, really good work, hard work done by our cops. I can't stress that enough. Just so much good work. And, you know, I attribute it to, uh, to the investment. And I say this a lot. With the greatest investment, with the greatest plans, 
without the men and women of the NYPD, our cops actually getting the job done, nothing's going to happen. So all credit to our cops. Uh, certainly, and that's an understatement. The, the, the arrests and summonses are up 50% for the same time period from last year. Let me ask you, has bail reform, because there's so much talk about bail reform, and especially on this radio station, it's an issue that people want to discuss. Uh, has that proven to be a hindrance in addressing subway crime overall? If you're arresting uh, suspected perpetrators on the subway and then they're being released you know, in a matter of hours, does that make that much of a difference in the job that you do as part of the NYPD? Look, it's, uh, all, all cops are uh, you know, a dynamic uh, group of individuals. They just do the job. Uh, they don't listen to the noise. Uh, they make the arrest. But if you're asking me, is, uh, is that a challenge? Uh, absolutely, it's a challenge, and, and you know we're, we're vocal about this. I'm vocal myself. It's uh, uh, you know we find ourselves oftentimes arresting the same people over and over again, uh, committing crimes. You know we've arrested people uh, for uh, some serious crimes that when you look at them, they've been arrested dozens of times. Some people have been arrested over a hundred times. You got to ask yourself at what point. Uh, does there need to be consequences? And again, I don't want anyone to misinterpret what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I, we don't believe that everyone deserves jail, but some people do. And, you know, the public and our citizens and our New, York, New Yorkers uh, deserve that. We're talking with uh, NYPD Chief of Transit, Michael Kemper. And Chief Kemper, I was on the subway uh, a couple nights ago uh, at the World Trade Center. I was coming back from New Jersey, and I was standing and waiting on the platform for my train to come when I saw at the other end of the turnstile a woman pointing at the door, like signaling me to just open the door for her, like I was going to partake in that sort of a crime, uh, which is uh, always seemed to be an issue in the subway, and I wouldn't do it. And finally, she was reduced to climbing over the turnstile. Now, fair evasion, always an issue in the subway. Uh, why do you think that it's nearly impossible to address this as a broader issue? What steps uh, might the NYPD take to uh, try and cut back on that? Because uh, a statistic for you, uh, $690 million was how much it cost last year for the MTA and fair evasion, and that includes $285 million on the subways alone. So uh, what might the NYPD be doing to address fair evasion? Yeah, so this is a, a question and, and a topic that I get asked a lot. And uh, this topic of fair evasion and presence at the turnstiles is a uh, really a key component of our current crime uh, crime prevention or crime reduction strategy. And, and uh, it's a key focus of ours is at that turnstile, enforcing uh, so much more than just um, jumping the turnstile. But if you want to talk about fair evasion, what the NYPD is doing, first of all, fair evasion is illegal and it's not fair to the paying customer. Um, you know, just this year alone, uh, when I say that we're paying, uh, you know, a heavier focus on that, our fair evasion contacts, and when I say contacts, I want everyone to understand, uh, Joe, we're talking about arrests and summonses for just fair evasion alone. Uh, we're up 54% this year versus last year, and, you know, some people could say 54% numbers are funny. I'm going to give you raw data. Um, we're up 33,100. I'm sorry. I'll say that one more time. We have 33,100 more fair evasion contacts, enforcement contacts, this year versus last year. 
Our fare evasion contacts are just hovering around 95,000 from January through present in the first eight and a half months. So, you know, if anyone says the NYPD is not hyper-focused on fare evasion, I just gave you data proving that. Um, And just our our presence at those turnstiles preventing fare evasion, but it offers so much more value. And I think our riders will see that, that, that a heavier presence at the turnstiles. It just creates the sense of um, law and order when the rider enters the subway station. You know, within a few seconds of entering the subway system, where are you? You're at that turnstile area. So if a rider walks in and when they're leaving, they see a cop, they see uh, there's no lawlessness, people are paying their fares. Um, You know, it, it just goes a long way toward perception, which is real fear, you know, and, and overall crime. And I'll, I'll, go, I'll go so far as to say, you know, what we found it might shock some people, and I'm being sarcastic, um, that the uh, person that's uh, hell-bent on committing a crime in a subway system is probably not paying their fare. So we're, we're stopping people before they could come in and commit those crimes. And a lot of people were stopping. Joe, i got to get this out. A lot of people were stopping are bad, bad people that are carrying weapons, uh, you know, we're recovering people walking into our subway system carrying loaded firearms. We're removing it from them and arresting them before they can inflict any harm. We're arresting people that are wanted on some very, very serious crimes. So, again, we're, we're focused, and that focus is going to remain. It's basically the broken window strategy, but it's the subway equivalent of that. You know, people think fair evasion, big deal. Who's it hurting? The MTA already gets enough money, but it hurts a lot of people, you know, and uh, eventually it leads to fair increases, which is unfair to the people who, who do pay their fair share. Joe, I, I, I don't know if I could use fair more in one sentence than I possibly did right there. So, Joe, our, our riders uh, deserve to travel uh, from point A to B in a subway system um, without being victimized of a crime and certainly without fear. And they've demanded uh, that we focus on this quality of life. Uh, violations and offenses, and we've heard them, and we are, and it's paying dividends. In addition to fare evasion, these other quality of life offenses in the subway system, we'll call them our tab summonses is what we call them, we're up 55% uh, this year. That's 43,400 more quality of life summonses issued this year versus last year in the subway system. So, you know, when you focus on this and, and, and you create that sense of law and order, in the subway system, it really, really pays dividends, and, and really, that's what I attribute this crime reduction to. So what, how do you think Omni may have helped to reduce fare evasion, if it has at all, in the subway? Listen, Omni is being used heavily, and, and just to talk about, in addition to uh, uh, you, you know, the crime reduction ridership, the MTA chair, John Oliba, just a couple of days ago, um, spoke at the uh, monthly MTA uh, committee meeting. Uh, and he announced that ridership just this week hit an all-time pre-COVID high. Uh, 4.1 plus million paid riders used the subway system uh, just on one day a few days ago. So that's so, so encouraging. And that's a trend that we see also. We see crime going down. We see ridership going up, which but shows public confidence in the subway system. Chief Kemper, if I may ask, you know, I, I had seen that uh, ridership was obviously at a low because of people had not been going into their office. And now with ridership going up, do you think that that's going to lead to crime rates going up? No, I, more I, people are in the subway. I don't necessarily uh, believe that. And, and, and you're right. Listen, I just told you ridership is up at an all-time pre-COVID high. Right. But when comparing to 2019 pre-COVID, it's down versus that. I mean, we're making gains, and that could be attributed to a lot. But, you know, to your point... Uh, 
2023 is unlike 2019. How many more people are working from home, not taking the subway system? A lot. And but that's. It's very encouraging, though, yeah. that ridership is. Absolutely, it's and, encouraging. And no small part that's thanks to you and your team uh, with the NYPD. It's, it speaks to confidence, ridership confidence using the subway system. And let me tell you something you would not have ridership confidence if people were being victimized, uh, victimized of crimes uh, uh, to the extent that some people would like some people to believe. That's just not the case. Chief Kemper, I want to ask you a little bit about your own career uh, with the NYPD. You started back in 1991. Yes. Is that correct? So what role were you in when you first joined with the NYPD? So let me say this. I was the kid in school in second grade, first grade, fourth grade, raising their hand when the teacher asked, what do you want to do? I always wanted to be a cop. My father was a police officer. Uh, and it's, uh, I guess it's in my DNA, my blood. Um, so I came on the job at 20 years old. My dream became a reality when I was 20 in 1991. April of 1991, I, I was a cop, different time back then. Worked in the uh, 6-2 precinct. I worked in a 7-1 precinct in Crown Heights. I was promoted to sergeant. I then went to the 7-0 precinct where I did uh, patrol and SNU, uh, which is street narcotics in the 7-0. Got promoted to lieutenant. Uh, I went to Manhattan, the 7th precinct, for a little bit. Then I worked in uh, Staten Island in the 122-123. Was promoted to captain in January of 2003, and that's really where my... Uh, uh, career picked up, and, and I was assigned to Brooklyn North. I was the XO, the second in command of the 8-3 precinct. I was the second in command. I was the XO, the 7-5 precinct in East New York, probably the busiest, most violent precinct in the city. I was there for about three years. I was then rewarded, and, and, and I was assigned as the precinct commander at a 7-6 precinct, which is in Carroll Gardens and Red Hook. I was the precinct commander there for three years. I was then the precinct commander at a 9-0 precinct in Williamsburg, a piece of Bushwick. I was there for four years. Um, I was then transferred to the Detective Bureau. And so at this point, I had about 21 years on the police department. My first 21 years all spent in patrol precincts, every different assignment. And I was the, uh, then transferred to the Detective Bureau. I was the XO of Detective Borough Bronx for about 18 months. I was the XO of Detective Borough Brooklyn. I was then uh, promoted uh, and assigned as the commanding officer of Detective Borough Queen South. I was then the commanding officer of Detective Borough Brooklyn North for about four years. Oversaw all detective investigations in Brooklyn North, uh, narcotics, crimes, homicides, you name it, gangs. I was then the executive officer of the entire detective bureau for New York City uh, for the entire NYPD. I was then promoted. I was the patrol borough commander of Brooklyn South, which was uh, uh, an amazing uh, experience. I was the uh, CEO of patrol borough Brooklyn South. And, you know, in December of 2022, I got a phone call. Uh, from then Commissioner Sewell, who uh, told me I'm now the Chief of Transit, and I've been the Chief of Transit since. So, How about that? Yeah. Let me ask you a two-part question. What, first of all, is the most rewarding part of being a New York City police officer? And uh, my second question is, what was your proudest day so, at the NYPD? So the most rewarding part of it is, you know, might be cliche, just helping people. It's just a, a huge sense of satisfaction doing good you know, uh, solving crimes, finding, uh, you know, uh, finding justice for our victims, speaking for our victims. But if you're asking me like a rewarding job also as the chief of transit, you know, I, I got to say just to be in a position to tell the story of our cops. And it's an amazing story. They do amazing work. And I'm being very, very sincere when I say that our cops work so hard and what they accomplish and what they do each and every day is just unbelievable. If the public only knew, some do. Uh, some don't want to believe it, um, but uh, I'm, I'm keeping it real. Our cops are amazing human beings, and to be in a position to watch them, work alongside them, and tell their story is uh, something special.
And your proudest day with the NYPD? The proudest day was uh, probably day one getting sworn in. Again, you know, my whole life uh, wanting to be a cop, you know, culminated on April 30th, 1991, getting sworn in, you know, with my family there. I mean, I had so many proud days. It's hard to narrow it down, but just, you know, fulfilling that lifelong dream of putting this uniform on and being a cop was is certainly up there. I mean, certainly our promotions, uh, each promotion, you know, is significant and meaningful in, in so many ways. And really to be able to share it, you know, with your family. You know, I'm blessed. I'm married uh, for a very long time to... Uh, uh, to my wife, Marilyn. I have two uh, amazing kids. Uh, my daughter's a lawyer. My son's actually a cop. And, um, and and my parents are still around to watch it. Well, Chief Camper, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure when I get to talk to you and to meet you in person. It, it's an honor. I want to say thank you to Arthur Idal for letting me uh, take over for the second half of his esteemed radio program. It's uh, an honor to sit behind his desk and a thank you to uh, Jerry Crowley, my wonderful boss, who's always kind enough to uh, give me his blessings to sit in this chair. And thanks to Matt Sambolin and Alex Garrett and Joan Pelzer and everybody who's part of the AM970 The Answer team. This is Joe Sibilia. Stay tuned for Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough coming up on AM970 The Answer. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.